Hi, I'm Rem Burrows, and welcome to our Friday podcast, Leaders Leading Leaders. Okay, welcome, 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 everyone. I just want to say a very, very, again, big welcome to our Leaders Leading Leaders podcast, where we discuss all things leadership through the Dream Health Head and Heart Leadership Framework. Um, you know, where once the whole point of the health heart leadership framework was where once being a partial leader was enough to ensure long-term success in people's lives and organisations, we believe in this day and age we need to focus on all the elements of leadership to make sure that we all make up the whole leader. And it first starts with self-leadership, which then can be transferred to the whole team and your organisation. This Leaders Leading Leaders podcast is a space especially created to share with you tips and thoughts on different subjects from business to leadership, setting goals, personal growth, love, happiness, inner power, awareness, and health, and a lot more so that you to help you find the right balance, focus, and flow in your life and in your business. I'm Maureen Burrows, and today I have a very, very special friend. And it's such a pleasure um, to be introducing this best-selling author and mentor, international mentor, Mr. Doug Dane. Don't you love it when I call you Doug Dane? <laughs> I do love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I, as I mentioned, Doug Dane is an international mentor and keynote speaker who's turned his personal experience into a duplicated system to help people discover their true identities and live lives of freedom. I think that's really important, Doug. Doug is on a mission to show people how to let go of their past so they can create a better a better life for themselves, for their families, and for the world. So please join me in welcoming Doug Dane. And um, maybe I can take this opportunity, Doug, to just briefly explain the head, health, and heart and why I was a uh, dream leadership framework and why I was so found your book to be so inspiring beyond just another self-development book okay i mean with um with the health heart and head leadership framework we focus on the fact that there's a critical need today to become a whole leader starting with the health because what happens is that we take the ordinary for absolutely ground for, for absolute granted and so it's not until we lose what we think is ordinary and normal do we realize that it's absolutely our lives are extraordinary and it all starts with the health so, for example, if you were, as soon as we get sick or as soon as we have some kind of autoimmune disease, as soon as we can't have that little barbecue in our backyards with our family, we appreciate just how extraordinary our lives are. And then we take it a little bit further with this uh, leadership framework and to say, well, our mind is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. But somehow we've relegated to a secondary, like the first position and the heart has been relegated to, sorry, the, the, the secondary position to the mind. Okay. And that's causing all sorts of problems from a self-leadership perspective, but then also organizations, businesses, and our own career development, our own um, uh, well-being, which then moves on to and has an impact on general life, your family, your personal life, your relationships. And we're seeing this globally, aren't we, Doug? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got it all backwards. 
we certainly do have it all backwards. And then we've all got this whole this whole notion of the, the amount of stress that's caused globally on a micro level, on a macro level. We can feel it now, especially post-pandemic. And people, you could, people don't know why they're stressed out, but they know they're stressed out. And so when I was reading your 30 chapters in Mistaken Identity, which was a, a, a look, it was one probably one of the most beautiful reads for me because it wasn't just reading it so that I can, my, my sort of conscious mind can just read it and go, oh, yeah, intellectually I understand this. It really hit me in the heart. I thought the questions that you were asking, the, the, what you shared, was absolutely phenomenal and this is a type of book that can change people in a nanosecond like that right there there's no there's no uh, sorry it, it was very very well designed so i was hoping that we can discuss that in detail today for our listeners as well absolutely yeah whatever i can do to help okay that's so fantastic so let me just ask you let's start with the broader questions doug what inspired you to write this book uh, a few things. So um, I, of course, I think a lot of us get inspired to uh, seek and search out answers for ourselves because we're struggling with certain things. You know, people do that all kinds of different areas. You know, they lose somebody to cancer or, you know, we, we become inspired, I think, through our own problems, our own challenges. And so, you know, for a lot of, lot of years, um, I was suffering and struggling just trying to get ahead you know, be a better person, do better in life, you know, achieve things I wanted to achieve, you know, uh, enjoy life the way I wanted to enjoy it, et cetera. And um, of course, you know, you can look at it positive or negatively, but I, I certainly got caught up in the, uh, um, I guess, the, the, the narratives and the belief system around personal development and growth and success. And so, um, I was really striving to, to to do better, and I did do pretty well in business, but I struggled most of my life um, internally. I didn't like myself. I didn't really feel good about myself. I had a poor opinion of myself. Um, I looked like I had it all together on the outside, but on the inside, I didn't. Now, you wouldn't have known that. Um, you wouldn't have been able to spot that. I was a, I was a pretty good actor. Um, but um, I just I've always had this pursuit in me to – uh, understand um, and do better, and also a heart to show other people the way. I've always been one of those people that uh, walk the talk. You know, any position, any company, any business I was in, um, I made my mind up I was going to be the best. And then uh, not so much for the accolades, but to prove I could do it for myself and then lead the way for other people. So Honestly, I just got fed up with how I felt about myself. Um, I was struggling. I knew I was better. I knew I could be doing better. And I got fed up, you know, just being so hard on myself that I finally just wanted to, I just wanted to rid myself of it. Um, I was struggling with, you know, anxiety, depression. Um, I was uncomfortable around people. I was worried about what you were thinking about me. My health suffered. Uh, I struggled with relationships most of my life, um, and I just, I, I just, I wasn't having a good time. And I wanted to figure it out for me. So I never intended to write a book. Um, people said you should write a book because you know my story, my life story, it's a very powerful story. Um, but I was never really interested in a book. What I was interested in was figuring out 
how I could let go of all this crap and all this junk and let go of my past because I was struggling so I could live a better life, but also, again, always motivated to show others how to do it because yeah. a lot of people came to me when my story came out. I went public with my story when I was almost 40, I guess. I'm 59 now. Um, it was 2001. And um, it was a very dark story. It's called Dark Past, Bright Future. It was in, in newspapers, on television, in books. I was speaking about it, and people kept coming to how did you do it? How did you go from this violent, abusive, traumatic childhood, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, kidnapping, all this? How did you go from that to succeeding and still, you know, enjoying a relatively good life? And I didn't know how I did it. I mean, I knew what I did. But I couldn't tell you how to do it. And so I'm meeting all these people coming to me and go, Doug, help me. And I couldn't help you. I couldn't hand you, hey, here, Reem, here's the answer. And that's what yeah. motivated me to write the book. Yeah. yeah and I figured really it out. Luck. Yeah, I figured it out. But then I go, how do I get this message out to people in a simple way, fast? And a book was the best solution. Now, that's very good, Doug, and thanks for sharing that because part of, if I could just um, sort of support some of the things that you were talking about, a lot of our work with the, and, and my work with senior leaders even, doesn't matter, they can be CEOs, they can be attorney generals, they can be, you know, like in the ministerial departments, or they could be brand new uh, aspiring leaders. And what the same, there's the same common theme once you get to know them, if they're open to, to working on themselves, is this lack of confidence within themselves, is the constantly questioning. So you would think that when you first start your career, by the time you get to, you know, the thought process, when I get there, then I'm going to be confident, then I'm going to know who I am, then I'm going to have a wonderful life because I'm going to have the house, I'm going to have it all. And yet you get to a point and here are people in their 40s, 50s, 60s that they're still feeling like what they were feeling when they were 20, 30. Yeah up until they're 40, and that hasn't changed regardless to what they've accumulated in life. In fact, it even gets worse because I get things like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up at the age of 50. Yeah, that's right. And so I thought it was really interesting when you start talking about in terms of your book, this actually applies to everyone. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey in life in terms of age, career, how much you've done, it applies to everyone because how we feel on the inside is eventually going to show up on the outside. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you kind of said if people are prepared to uh, open up or talk about it or, or explore it. Um, and I've, I've talked to this. I've, I've only been in this industry, the personal development space. You know, I, I went to work with uh, Bob Proctor and I worked with him and he mentored me. And um, I learned things that I didn't really, I didn't really know. And um, but in those eight nine years, so 2014, um, I talked to thousands of people, thousands. You know, I mean, every day I just spend, you know, talking to people, having coffee now over Zoom, whatever, all over the world. And everybody I talked to, everybody, regardless of how successful they were, had this uh, wrong or mistaken perception of themselves, self-doubt, self-worth, not good enough, uh, I'm a bad person, whatever. Um, this 
this really poor attitude, some more severe than others, in spite of their success. And so everybody has what I call a mistaken identity to some degree or another. And fundamentally, what's also going on at the same time that is a big challenge for everybody that's trying to pursue a better life and resolve any issues that you have, as Reem has described, internally or from your past is, and it's worse than ever, there's a huge, we were brought up, and it's in, more inflamed than ever, a huge compulsion to conformity. Uh, we were taught to conform, and there's all kinds of pressure to conform. And, you know, all of us know the narrative that goes online and social media, you know, the cancel culture, and all these terms they've come up with. Um, and, of course, we were all brought up with a, a deep-seated fear of what other people are going to think of us for fear of criticism. And so we're very, you know, like I would say, if I can just get to the truth with you, Reem, I mean, what this book does, I, I love when I got your message after you read it, because this, you can't hide from the truth. This book gets right at you. And um, if you're willing to be honest with yourself, because I say the truth shall make you free, I always say to people, just, just tell me the truth, Reem. Tell me what's really going on inside. Tell me how you think and how you really feel about yourself, because that determines how you feel about the world. And if you can get, if I can get to the truth, I go, ah, now I know what your problem is. And that's what I was, I was hiding the truth. I wasn't being honest with myself. I wasn't being honest with the people in my life. I wasn't even being honest with people, my mentors and close friends and, and people in relationships that really believed in me, wanted to help me. I kept lying. Um, and cause I was afraid to confront the truth, but uh, man, oh man, it's freeing as hell. It is true. If you, you tell the truth, it will make you free. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that as I was reading your um, your book and within each chapter, it kept coming back to me where you have to focus on yourself first. It's very easy to go, oh, I think this book will be great for, you know, Joe and Kim and whoever else, yeah. you know, Rachel or whoever else it may be. It's about being open enough and courageous enough to say, well, what about me? That's right. Yeah. And forget yeah, almost and forget the, about others for the moment and to focus on yourself. Well, and, that, and just so we're clear, um, I say all the time, I'll, I'll be running a, a group coaching call. And um, we might be reading a book or I'll be going through a lesson and I'll ask people, you know, Q&A say, so you know, tell me what your thoughts are on this reading or, or Joanne or whatever. And so now before you answer, I don't want you to talk third party and about everybody else. I want you to talk about you. What does this mean to you? How does this impact you? What are you going to be learned about you? Because we've just been programmed and trained to externalize everything. You know, and you're right. You read the book and right away, oh, this would be great for Reem to read, you know? And because we we avoid, we avoid looking at ourselves. Because we don't like what we see and feel. So it's the pain. Is it like uh, I really want to explore a little bit of that area? Is it because is that because it's too painful for us? Are we scared of looking in terms of ourselves? I mean, I've got my own theories here, but what is stopping yeah. us from really looking ourselves in the eye, having our own discussions with ourselves about ourselves, and once and for all, ridding ourselves from this mistaken identity that you talk about? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a real bugger, you know. Um, we we think it's hard. Um, 
we 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 think it's going to be very painful. Um, and for some of you, you know, and some people that have read the book, I've, you know, I've had a lot of people have gone through the book a couple of times, even three times now, and and done the exercises. Um, one person said this book really kicked me in the butt, and I said I warned everybody going through the book. I said, listen, um, as you go through this book. It's not a complicated book. Uh, I'm very direct. It's very, very simple. I made it that way. I discovered that actually letting go of this is very, very simple, but we make it hard. I just warn you that you're going to feel some resistance. Okay. Now, we don't like feeling resistance. We don't like feeling pain. Okay. And we've just been conditioned, you know, and, and programmed through, you know, self-help and, and psychology and the mental health and all that that if we don't feel good, there's something wrong with us, okay? Well, that just means you, you're, you've just bought into um, a narrative and, and a method to solving your problem. And so you're just conditioned, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be painful. There is gonna be resistance. But listen, if you decide you wanna get in shape and you go, I'm gonna start going to the gym and I'm gonna get in shape once and for all. I'm getting older and I want my body to last longer. I'm going to the gym. We have no problem leaving the gym and the next day our muscles are sore. In fact, we love it. We feel that we're stiff and sore. Oh, I really worked out. We're good with that pain. It's a, But it's the same pain, right? And so you do feel a physical resistance show up, but we've been conditioned to believe that when we don't feel good, there's something wrong with us. Wrong question. There's nothing wrong with you. The question should be really, what's wrong with what I believe? What's wrong with what I'm listening to? What's wrong with who I'm following? We're asking the wrong question. So yeah, we we think personal growth is painful. It is painful if you perceive it to be painful or if you misunderstand what the pain actually is. But if you can relate, it's just like going to the gym. Go Ah, remember when I was a little boy? you know, eight, nine years old, wailing in the middle, like, mommy, mommy, what's wrong with my legs? And my mom would come in and what's wrong at the back of my knees, behind my knees, um, excruciating pain. I didn't know what it was. My mommy says, my mom said, oh, it's okay, honey. Those are growing pains. Oh, okay, mommy. Now it hurt like hell, but they were, they were growing pains, right? Just when you go to the gym, they're growing pain. So there is some some physical pain you feel with the growth, but it doesn't mean there's anything wrong or that what we do is we stop. We go, I don't like this. I'm not going to follow through. So we just, yeah, we just don't so, understand what's going on. So that, that pain, there's a lot of goodness in that pain. I mean, Buddha said it best, right? The best thing to say, pain is inevitable. It's suffering. That's the choice. And you talk right. a lot about that in your book in terms of the suffering being the victim. So yes. maybe you can we can talk a little bit about that because for a long time you say in this book you saw yourself as a victim, correct? Yep, definitely. Yeah, and listen, I had justification. I mean, I was a victim of I was a victim. Um, I mean, if I just quickly tell you the story, yeah, I was a victim or my my birth mom gives me up for adoption as a baby, as an infant when I'm born, and I get handed over to a foster care mom. And so I was a victim of that. And then at six months old, I get taken from the foster care home and I'm placed in another home where I got adopted by these two violent alcoholics. So that was a victim again. Right. And then I endured emotional and physical abuse um, at the hands of my 
alcoholic parent, and I also witnessed a lot of violence with them fighting and beating each other up. So I was a victim of that, you know, victim of an alcoholic family. And then I went looking for love in all the wrong places. And then I ended up in a ring of pedophiles and I was sexually abused for two years. Um, and uh, I became a, a victim of that. That ended when I was 15, when I was kidnapped. So I was a victim of that. And then, of course, because of all that, you know, I turned to drugs and alcohol, quit school, and um, I was a victim of that. So <clears throat> for the first, you know, 23, I, I guess I was I was only a victim up until 15. Okay. After that, I was no longer a victim because <clears throat> I was, I mean, there was there was negative outcomes because of being a victim, like the alcohol and the drugs and you know, failing and going bankrupt in business when I first started my company and, you know, failing in relationships. Those are those are um, effects of the original cause, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then what happened is um, you, you go through life with this victim mentality. Um, and then it's very convenient to be a victim, you know, because you can explain away your mistakes. You, I, I had great excuses, great alibis. Whenever anything failed, like, well, you know, and so I just carried this victim mentality along. And then, of course, in the past, oh, for sure, last five years for sure, this victim narrative has been perpetuated through you know, through social media, some of the social issues we're facing. And so we have a victim mentality in pretty much everywhere in the world. And listen, I'm no longer a victim. I, I just find out I'm not a victim. I can't keep acting like one talking like one, but using my victim mentality to excuse away my mistakes. Um, and the other problem is if you're a victim, you're also a villain. And so if you're a victim, you turn on others and you're also a villain towards yourself. You villainize yourself and then you're the victim again and around and around you go in a circle. And so I just got sick of being a victim. I thought, I'm not a victim anymore. And I'm the one creating my suffering. I am. Nobody else is. I'm the one that looks at my story the way I do. I'm the one that blames people. I'm. It was all on me. And it was, it was Bob Proctor that said, Doug, it's all your fault. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's all your fault. It's not your fault what happens to a kid, but it's your fault if you continue thinking the way you're thinking. And I now, go, some people can oh. think that's really harsh, right? I mean, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Doug, because you, you are very forward with the way that you talk. Like, there's no, there's no uh, shades of grey. It's for you. You're very upfront with it. It's a very for some people who, for example, have gone through what some of the things that you've gone through. They could say, "Well, that's a bit harsh." The way you say, "I'm a victim. I got the, you know, I was adopted out." I went through, you know, violence. It was the pedophile ring that you're talking about. And then all of a sudden you're saying you're the victim. It can sound like it's a bit harsh, doesn't can't it? Well, here's how I look at it. Um, <laughs> and if you're listening, you might not like it, but um, I'm right and you're wrong. And what I mean by that is um, <laughs> I just learned some, I learned some things that I did not know or understand. And, um, I just wish somebody had kicked me in the pants years ago because I could have got here a heck of a lot sooner. So I'm at, listen, I'm at an age of my life. I'm 59. As I said, I don't really care what you think about me. What I do care is about you. And that if I can, if I got to punch you in the gut to wake you up. So you sort this out faster and you don't waste the years of your life 
life is short. All we have is time. I don't want to waste yours. I don't want to waste mine. So, I mean, honestly, as I was doing the book, Rain, there was part of me going, oh boy, what are people going to think? And I just, I thought, no, I know how this works. And I've helped thousands of people with this. And I'm just going to be direct and I'm going to be straight with you because we don't have any time to waste. Time is clicking. That's all we have is time. And if I got to kick you in the butt, even if you don't like me, I'd rather do that. You know, Reem, a lot of people, when I first met you, Doug, I didn't like you. But now I love you. Um, <laughs> they just didn't like I was so direct because I was pushing their buttons. And the reason hits, I was pushing their buttons because I was telling them the truth and they didn't like it. Hmm. And that's where the buttons are. I push the buttons because I'm telling you the truth and you don't like the truth. But the truth will make you free. So I don't mind taking the heat. And that's okay, because what you've done is you're not talking the talk. You've actually walked the talk. You, you did what you need yeah. to do for yourself first. So this is not – you're not coming from a place of, um, like, a harshness and you haven't done it yourself and thinking people need to go and fix themselves. You've actually done this for yourself. You've you've gone through what one could argue to be one of the most horrendous childhoods, right? And then you've taken right. that and healed yourself to become a much better person, to live the life with an open heart. And now you're teaching mm -hmm. others. So there's no real room from your experience, I guess, there's no real room to tiptoe around these things because we can't no, keep walking no. on eggshells, right? Well, if you don't get to the truth and you're not honest with yourself, you're going to remain in conflict and you're going to keep suffering. And so... It is very, it is very black and white. The world has been made gray, um, but it doesn't mean it is gray. The world is actually quite simple. Life is actually quite simple. We actually make it hard, and it's not our fault. It's just we just we just learned to think and operate the way that we do, and we've learned to view the world and other people and ourselves a certain way. Just because you learned it doesn't mean it is right or that it's true. Yeah. So let's let's explore. I mean, that's a really powerful piece. Just because you've learned it doesn't mean it's true. So let's just explore no. some of the themes of this mistaken identity because in some parts of your, yeah. um, in, in some of the chapters, you talk about, you know, our thoughts and some of the things that we say to ourselves and what we learn to believe as being 100% true. And we're not willing to let go of those thoughts to be able to, again, free ourselves. So the main themes in your book, how do you, at what point did you realize that your thoughts were actually tricking you? Um, well, it's interesting. When, when did it come um, to you? Yeah, well, when I started um, following Bob Proctor, that was kind of the beginning Um I did not. So I was, I became very successful in business. I would, you know, I was spent most of my career in Canada. Um, and I was in the industry I was in. I was known all around the country. I was the top in the, in the country in, in my business many, many times with many companies. Okay. And, um, you know, it looked like I had it all together and figured out. And I, I was brought up in a corporate, you know, setting and small business, stuff like that. Um, I did not know. Um, that my mind um, is like a machine. I'm not a machine, but my mind operates much like a machine. 
And it actually directs my brain and my nervous system. I didn't know that. So I wasn't feeling very good. You know, I was nervous, anxious, depressed, frustrated, suffering from guilt, resentment, shame, all these emotions running my life. And I was making mistakes that as a logical guy were just dumb. I mean, I'm not a dumb guy, but I was making some dumb mistakes. And so I go, oh, my mind is running my brain and nervous system. So, and then the only thing I didn't know is I didn't know, did not know that I can control it and I can direct it. I didn't know that, right? Much like um, my GPS on my car, my phone, your mind operates much the same way. And so it is a machine, but I am the operator, okay? And this machine runs um, like all machines, like this smartphone. This is the machine, the phone, but there's software that run this thing. I'm the operator, but there's software that runs it for me. Well, the software that runs my mind and directs my thinking and my brain and nervous system is run by my self-image or my opinion of myself. And if I have a lousy opinion of myself based on how I was treated when I was a kid and how I was raised or the rules, values, prejudices, and biases that I was brought up to believe, um, uh, I can change all that. And so for me, you know, I obviously grew up in a very distorted environment, you know? Mm. I mean, there's one part of the book, you know, some of you might have a hard time with this, but when I was a young boy, I guess I guess I would have been at this point, probably 11 or 12. Uh, my dad was, you know, he was a drunk and he was a philanderer and he would bring his girlfriends home. I remember one time, it's in the book, where he dragged my mom downstairs to the basement. He had a shotgun in the rafters in a cardboard box. He grabbed it. He stuck it down my mom's throat. And he threatened to kill her. And he looked at me and said, now that's how you treat a woman. So I had a lot of distortion, right? Um, but we were we were just taught things, you know, handed these rules, values, and beliefs. And we were expected to conform to those. And if we didn't, we got punished, criticized. In my case, I would get hit. And so we succumbed to uh, all of this. And we just believe things that, you know, aren't necessarily true. Listen, um, you're in Australia, but you were born into a different culture than I was. And so there's cultural beliefs. Um, there's religious beliefs. There's political beliefs. There's all these beliefs. But what happened, and this is how your mistaken identity got formed. When you were little, you were programmed. First off, when you were a little baby, you were you got here, you were perfect in every way, filled with love and integrity, and you started imitating the adults. You started eating what they ate, speaking what they, moving like them, et cetera. And then when they knew they had your attention, then they started teaching you what to do and what not to do. What was good? What was bad? What was right? What was wrong? Follow this rule. Do this. Don't do that. Be careful. You know, all these things. And so we then got hypnotized through that, that programming. And we didn't question it. We couldn't. If we did, we got in trouble. And then they started to judge us. So the first chapter of the book is called Stop Judging. Because when you were little, if you didn't follow the rules or you didn't meet the expectations, the bar that was set by the parents or the teachers, then you got in trouble. You didn't get praised a whole lot, but you got criticized, you got punished, et cetera. And so the adults started judging you. Plus, you were watching them. They're judging each other and their friends and their family. Everybody's judging everybody. You're watching it. And then they start judging you you're not measuring up. And then you start judging yourself. 
And very early on, you start thinking, what's wrong with me? I was talking to my daughter today. She's 20 now. Um, and even you know, knowing what she knows about what I know and her mom knows we pass along to her, she made a couple of mistakes with um, something she's trying to do. She got a new job. She's trying to get a car. And she she grabbed her head. We were on, on a call earlier. She grabbed her head and she goes, I'm so dumb. I go, Eden. I said, you're not dumb. Sometimes we do dumb things, but that does not make you dumb. But that's how we, we, we automatically turn against ourselves. But we were brought up to ask ourselves, what the hell is wrong with me? And the parents going, Reem, what the hell is wrong with you? Why did you do that? I don't know. And so we've been conditioned. And we've never really asked the right question. It's not what's wrong with me. It's what's wrong with what I believe. What's wrong with what I was taught? What's wrong with how my parents treated me? If it was a case of me, you know, 60% of adults have been through what I've been through. Big number. We're not asking the right question. We were taught to ask what's wrong with me, right? We never go, is that, there's another chapter of the book called, is that really true? We don't really ever ask. So you'll, you know, somebody will tell you something, Reem. A smart question would be, how do you know that's true, Reem? Just because you tell me it's true doesn't mean it is true. And so we just automatically just got hypnotized to believe all these things that aren't true. Um, and we don't even question them. We just, it formed who we are. We just start operating that way. We think we, that's who we are. And then we just try to get through life. Yeah. And so, I mean, from that, what I learned is it's just like, look, what, what evidence do you have to support that belief that you've just got? You've just reiterated, it actually came out of your mouth. And really the quality of our lives and the quality of our leadership is only determined by the quality of the questions that we ask of ourselves and of our teams, of our relationships, not the solutions that we come up with. It's the questions, isn't it? Right. It's like, what evidence do you have to support that? What assumption right. have you made behind that truth, that 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 belief? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the, the, the last chapter of the book is called The Bottom Line. And I said, there's only two words you got to remember. Um, judgment and perception. And so you're, you have a perception. If you're struggling at home or in your career or as a leader, um, you just have a perception problem. Um, you perceive the situation a certain way. You perceive yourself a certain way. Uh, I know a lot of leaders, they're just not, they just don't have a good perception of their people, you know? Um, and your perception runs your judgment, your, your your ability to make judgment calls. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. there's judging people, which is, you know, being mm. judgmental of people. But we also have to use our judgment to make decisions. But all of our judgment is run off of our perception. So the bottom line is, if you're struggling at something, you just got to take a look at your perception. What do you believe? Right? Where did you get that from? Right. Is it working for you? Yes or no? We have to ask ourselves some pretty basic, but fairly you know direct questions. And I designed the book that way. I ask you some very direct questions to basically uncover what you believe or what you experience that cause you to believe what you believe, that cause you to feel the way you feel towards yourself, which is a mistake. Yeah, and I, I found that those questions, there's no way to hide with those questions. The way that you've asked the questions is there really is no place to go and hide or to, it's either you're going to come up with the answer pretty much straight away, 
well, pretty yeah. much you will come up with the answer straight away. And then all you have to do is now that I know, one of the things I think you mentioned in, I can't remember if it's a discussion that we had or it's in the book, Doug, but awareness, one point that you made, once you have something, once you're aware of something, that's 95% of the job is done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we, listen, we just, um, I think we just, most cultures, we just kind of, we're in what um, Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich, he said, we're in what's called hypnotic rhythm. Mm. We're just in this rhythm day to day of life, this hypnotic rhythm, this habitual rhythm, just kind of getting up every day, just trying to make it through life. You know, tiptoeing, trying to make it safely to death. And we just keep, like, we just get up and do the same thing over and over every day without asking any real questions. And I just, when I'm talking to people, I just go, listen, are you happy most of the time? Yes or no? No. Do you feel calm and relaxed most of the time? Yes or no? No. Um, do you experience joy a lot of time? Yes or no? So then the bottom is, is your way working, yes or no? Obviously, it's not, right? But we, we are convinced that we're supposed to suffer. We're not supposed to suffer. The reason we're suffering is because we're in conflict. The reason we're in mm. conflict is because doing things that aren't natural or part of our nature. It's not natural to criticize people. It's not natural to hate people. It's not natural not to like ourselves. That's unnatural. But we will learn to do things that are unnatural, and that's why we're in conflict. And, and you discuss a lot about um, mental health in your book. And so, mm -hmm. uh, Doug, you know, our, globally we're facing some, some serious mental health issues. And whether or not people are masking it, we will never find out. That we will, I don't know if we'll ever find out the true like uh, impact it's having on our society. But you're, you're basically saying the reason why we're having these mental health issues is because of our mistaken identity. Am I simplifying it too much? It's, it's No, you're not. It's actually very, very simple, but everybody would want to argue that because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, <laughs> listen, um, if you want proof that the mental health system isn't working, you just have to look at the numbers, okay? Mm. Um, you don't have to go very far back in history. We didn't have the problems we're having today, not too far in our history. I mean, post-war, commercialism came out, keeping up with the Joneses came out, and psychology and mental health went down a certain path. It wasn't the right path, but that's the path we all went down. And in my case, my mom, when she was struggling with mental illness, um, she was in the hospital getting shock treatments. She was taking, she had three shot, three sets of shock treatments. You know, she ended up getting really, she became worse because of the shock treatment. Of course, we know that now, but we just went down this, this path. Mm. And all you got to look at is the stats is our mental health problems are worse than ever. And now it's a perpetuating cycle for our children. And the age of children that are suffering from mental illness and dis-ease the age category is getting lower and lower. Now, what we're doing is we're saying, we think it's the outside world. We think it's COVID and we think it's social media. We think it's phones and all that. It's perpetuating it. But what's happening is the mental health system in its current state does not solve the problem. It's not the cure. It just simply covers up 
the symptoms. And what I'm, you know, proposing in my book and, and my thesis in this is that if you didn't feel so poorly about yourself because of how you were brought up and how you were treated as a kid, you wouldn't be suffering from all the mental health problems that you're suffering from. And you wouldn't have this victim mentality and it wouldn't be perpetuated by the current mental system that says, okay, you're anxious and depressed and you, know, you should be taking pills and all this stuff. I mean, don't get me started on that, but um, here in Canada, uh, they're looking at legislation where um, people can uh, medically assisted suicide uh, if you're depressed. Uh, like it's, it's nuts wow. what is happening, you know? And I don't think, I don't think this is the cure-all for everybody, but I am convinced because I've worked with enough people, I've talked to enough people, I've helped enough people. Most people, I don't know what the number is, but I would I would say 90%, maybe less, maybe higher. If they just understood why they feel the way they feel towards themselves, the way that they do, um, I think they feel better. But the, the, here's the problem. I tell people, stop trying to fix yourself. Just be yourself. That's the answer. If you could just be yourself without worrying what everybody's going to think or what they're going to do, you just be yourself. You'd calm down. And your anxiety and depression is just a function. So anxiety simply is means you're afraid of the future. You're fearing something in the future and you're you're anxious. And if you're frustrated, it's because your expectations aren't being met and that's in the past. So one thing about our mind that I did not know is that this machine, it doesn't work very well if you're worrying about the future or you're looking back on the past. It only works in the present moment. Like a GPS, the GPS doesn't look backwards and the GPS doesn't worry about the future. It just navigates as you go. That's proper use of how your mind works. If you're, if you're, if you're stressing out about the future, you still feel guilt and shame and resentment towards the past. It causes tension on your mind. And remember, your mind directs your brain and nervous system. So by causing tension in the machine, it shows up in my physical state in the form of anxiety and then depression and then disease. So if I'm in control of the machine and I can control my thinking and I can train myself not to worry about the future, and the only reason you do, and I did, is because I was taught to do that. I, I didn't do that when I was little. I learned to do that. And the only reason I look at the past with guilt, shame, and resentment is because I was taught to do that. And everybody else was taught to do that. And they like to bring that up and put me back there. And that's why I was anxious. And that's why I was stressed. And that's why I was depressed. And that's why I was getting sick. And and would you attribute most of that to why people don't achieve what it is that they want to achieve in life? That, yes, for sure. Um, I think the, the bigger issue is this underlying mistaken identity. Um, you're, you're just, you're mistaken about yourself and how you feel about yourself. And you're also mistaken about what you're capable of. Now, your true self, your soul, your heart, it's pulling you forward. It, it You're always being drawn ahead you know, to humans were very purposeful and we're very goal-oriented so we, we we you can't ignore it i mean you can you can ignore it but it doesn't go away 
And we're, we're pulled to, to, to be better and to do more and, and help and serve others. That's the way, that's our nature. And so there's a pull to pursue it. And if you don't pursue it, then you give yourself a hard time because you're not pursuing it. Okay. And this mistaken identity, it also distorts your view on what you're capable of. Like my own mistaken identity kept me from writing this book. I had a message. I proved that it worked. I was helping all kinds of people change lightning fast. When I talked to you one-on-one, I mean, I was very convincing. I was very compelling. And when you follow my instructions, it worked. But I was afraid to put it in a book. Why? Because I was afraid what people were going to think of me. Right? And so my own mistake and identity held me back from writing the book. Now I can't. The book is out. I can't do anything about it. I can't take it off the shelves. That's it. It's, it's done, there. right? So you have, to, you have to actually jump and do it. That's it. There's no other solution yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, but now the things that are happening and the feedback I'm getting on the book from people that are using the book or actually letting the book work on them, man, it's changing my whole perspective on what I can do. And so when you... when so I, Can we talk about that for a second, actually? Can yeah. we talk about that for a second, Doug? Because I think this is important. During the process of you writing the book, you mentioned, who do I think I am to be writing this? I'm not educated. Yes. I finished in year 10. What do I know? All of that. Now that you've written the book, you see it from a completely different point of view. So the question is, like, how do you get more and more people to look look at the doubts, fears, worries as they're going through the process so that they can get to the other side? Yeah, so I talk about this in the book. So the, the book really does three things, okay? Um, yes. It's, it's structured, it's structured in, in basically three parts. You, you might not notice it, but the first part gets you to learn what is a mistaken identity, what is yours, you know, what's it doing mm. to trick you. Then you have to unlearn. You have to unlearn your mistaken identity. And then you relearn by being yourself. Um, each chapter is structured in a way where I, I tell the story. I tell a bit of my story just to get your attention, right? I, I just, I hook your attention with a part of my story to make the point, which is the second step in the chapter. So I introduce you to an idea or, or a, a concept or a, a principle, a, a, a truth, a universal mm-hmm. truth about life, laws of nature, how your mind works, whatever. And then I get you to take um, an action step to get you to to, to move, you know. And um, uh, I designed it that way because I wanted um, uh, I have to be able to change your mind. And there's just some fundamentals about we just don't understand how our mind actually works. And so, like I said earlier, I didn't know that I was creating my anxiety. I didn't know I was creating my own frustration. I didn't know that the proper way to operate my mind was to live one day at a time. The other thing I, that I, I did not know, and I talk about the book, is what we have to do is we have to become um, emotional, neut- emotionally neutral or what's called emotional neutrality hmm. and use what's called intellectual <laughs> objectivity. And so the key to getting ahead, like if, if I sat down with you, Reem, and I poured out my problems to you, probably within about 30 minutes or so, no more than an hour, because you're really good at what you do, you, you'd see exactly what's going on, and you go, Doug, here's your six problems. Bump, 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 and here's what you need to do. You'd be very emotionally neutral. You'd be very objective, right? And you could see clearly, and you could do the same thing, and I could do the same thing. If you're listening to this, 
you can do that with other people. People come to you and they tell you, and you know exactly what the problem is. So what we have to do is we have to get outside of ourselves and we have to be an objective third party. And when you're objective and you're emotionally neutral and you look, and so I say, look at yourself, this mistaken identity as um, like I call your cellmate. Okay. This, this, this other part of you, you have to, you have to separate yourself from your ego and your psyche, the mistaken identity, and you have to be an observer. And that's where this awareness comes in. And so if you look at yourself objectively, and that's what I do in the book is just get you think objectively, not with your emotions. Um, you can see pretty clearly how simple this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what would you say to people? Well, you know, I often hear, well, actually, I've heard it all, Doug, you know, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too big, I'm too small, I'm not educated enough. This is the other thing. I've got some amazing friends who truly believe that because they don't have a degree or their master's or their PhD, whatever it may be, they are not good enough. Who do they think they are to take yeah. on whatever it is that they want to take on? Yet they're sheer brilliant and I can recognize the brilliance in them. What would you say to people like that? Well, first off, you don't truly believe, you falsely believe. Big difference. Okay? Listen, we've just, again, we got to get this straight. All these things we're talking about, we just learned to operate this way. You know, we were just taught. Um, We heard our parents say that. Oh, you know, listen, when I was a little kid, um, I was born the day before Halloween. And in Canada, we call that devil's night. You go out and you vandalize the neighborhoods and smash pumpkins. My brother, who was adopted as well, he was born the day before Valentine's. Ever since I was a little, little boy, my mommy, my mommy, my mom said, Dougie Dane, you're such a little devil. And Tommy Dane, you're such a little angel. And guess what? Tom was a good little boy. He was the favorite. He never got in trouble. He was always, he was the good kid. I was the bad kid, right? And I got into a lot of trouble. I broke all the rules and I really had a hard time, you know? And um, just because I believed that what they told me, you know? And so we just got to get that straight. Here, here's the deal. Um, I talk about this in the book and with people. If you want to know who you really are, it's really, really simple. Just ask yourself a couple of questions. Go, what, what am I really passionate about? Like. You know, what What am I interested in? What am I passionate about? What do I want to, if I could do anything, you know, if I'm engineered by my creator and I cannot fail, what would I do? You don't have to do it, but you explore that question. Whatever the answer is, you have to get this straight. Whatever the answer is, you are that person. That's why you want to do it. Okay. The other part you got to get straight is you were gifted with the talent and ability to be able to do it. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to do it. And every one of you that are watching, if you're honest with me and yourself, you know there's things you'd like to do. But you truly believe, falsely believe, for whatever reason that you can, or you just got comfortable enough making up excuses and alibis to stay stuck. So you don't have to face the truth. And that's okay if, if you want to live your life that way. There's nothing wrong with a life like that. But I think a lot of people, you know, they want to do better and they know they are better. 
And so we've got to really evaluate um, these beliefs and ask the question, is that really true? Am I, listen, I'm 59 years old. I'm turning 69. I'm starting a brand new career. I just, the book just came out. I left, I used to be with Bob's company. He passed away about a year ago at Proctor Gallery. I'm no longer there. I'm embarking on a brand new journey this next season of my life and I'm turning 60 and I'm going to crush it. This will be the best season of my life. Now, and if I, I can 100% do it, agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It just, when people say that to me, I just, I look at them with smile and love. I go, Reem, you're lying to yourself. Yep. And I guess that means that you really have to, even though the thoughts come to you, you really have to be willing to very quickly reject those ideas, reject those thoughts if you're not good yeah. enough. Reject that's just a natural process, isn't it, Doug? From what you're saying in your book, yeah. we're going you're going to feel all of this. It's going to come out. It's a question of are you going to just believe it or are you going to reject it immediately to know exactly who you are? Yeah. Now most people say easier said than done. And that's true. Yes. It is easier said than done. But for the people that have learned or have been taught how this machine works. And you, you don't learn it in school. They don't teach it in business. They don't teach it for leaders. Just every once in a while, somebody like Reem or myself or people we know, or maybe people you know, just kind of stumble upon this because they failed. They're at the end of their rope. And somebody comes along and says, hey, Doug, did you know that you're in charge of your thinking? And that you can take control of your thinking in your mind and that you can create a life that you want. And it's actually, you don't have to be anxious, depressed. In fact, you're the one that's creating that on your own. Did you know that, Doug? I did not know that. And so we don't really know that. In the book, I try to you know drive home some very simple key principles of how the mind is running your life and why it's making you feel you feel. Because you, we do need to learn these things. We do need to start, stop looking at the future. Because you can't control it, okay? You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Stop looking at the past. There's nothing back there that you need. If there is, don't worry. Your memory will bring it up as you go forward. But do not talk about the past. Don't think about the past. Don't have any negative feelings towards the past. Like, I have no negative feelings towards anything in the past. My my abuse, my parent, nothing. I have just, there's a part in the book, I was doing an interview, and a lady was reading part of the book, and she said, "She part of the book says, I, I, I hired a private detective to find the man that abused me. His name's Randy. I wanted to find him, and I wanted to just find out what happened to him, and I wanted to I wanted to just hug him. I wanted to find out if he was okay. She goes, how could you do that? I go, it's just a choice. I just chose to look at my situation as a gift rather than as a curse. Those are just choices that we make, you know? And so we can choose the way that we think and we can choose the way we look at our story and we can choose whether we worry or we look at the past. If you do those two things, you're going to get stuck and you're going to stay stuck. It's so really amazing. If this mind is a machine, we better learn how to operate. We got no problem learning how these things operate. No problem. We'll, we'll sit on this thing all day long trying to figure out how it operates. But you also have a gift called a mind, and it directs your brain and nervous system. So if you're not doing any very smart things, you don't feel very good, you probably should figure out how this works. That, that was the deal I got. 
That is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And so what are the so what are some of the upcoming projects for you? What were you hoping to get out of this, Doug? And what's next? Because I'll talk a little bit about the book from my perspective when we're closing, but I was hoping okay. to find out from you your thoughts, Honestly, your next steps. Yeah, uh, I am on a mission to create a major global prison break. Um, I think most people are stuck in a prison of their own making. Um, it's a case of mistaken identity. They got arrested because of a mistaken identity. The real villain or the culprit is their programming, their upbringing, their conditioning, and how they treat as a child. And the key to their freedom lies inside. And if they follow the principles in this book and this step-by-step system I've created, um, not that I've created it, I, I learned myself and now I've organized it in a step-by-step system. You can break free. And the book is like the key to your freedom. And so I think I helped you, Reem, unlock yourself a little bit. And so I just want you to take this book. I want you to go down the hall. I want you to open up the next cell and give them the book and open up another cell. And I just want to create a massive prison break all around the world with this book. And so I just want this book to get in people's hands um, because it's not a book that you read. It's not another shelf help book. This is a system. And I just say to people, just let the book work on you and then spread the word. If you know somebody's struggling like you were, get the book in their hands. And so I'm on a mission to get this message in the book. This is the messenger. This is my army. And I just need more people um, getting this book in their hands. And it's going to cause a profound change. And I want to just, I will, I will go to the ends of the earth to speak about what I now know. And I will fight against the system, the mental health care, social media culture, I will fight to tell the truth about how people are mistaken. Uh, and that's, I'm on a mission just to have people feel better about themselves so they can do better in life and help other people in the world do the same. That's absolutely beautiful. If I can, um, if I can actually encourage all our listeners today to go out, buy the book, Mistaken Identity by Doug Dane. Now, this is available. You can go to dougdane.com um, and you can purchase the book from there. There's a number of areas the that um, or a number of, uh, I guess, outlets that stock your book who can deliver immediately. If you want to, you can go straight to Amazon and buy the book from there. So there's a lot of different places, no excuses here. I would highly recommend that you get your book for yourself and then encourage everyone else around you to read it because this is a book that you should not miss it's so simple it'll take you it'll take you a very very short time to read it but what i would also encourage you to do is go through it again and again and again until you answer all the questions don't just read it like you're reading a novel with this book you really have to sit down allow yourself to answer all the questions that doug asks Okay, write it down and then move on to the next section and you'll see immediate transformation in yourself. Um, But on that, Doug, I hope to have you on here again soon because there's a lot more to to. explore. You know, it'd be cool cool for people that are watching this um, if they they wanted to, you know, talk or ask questions or, or challenge a little bit about this. It'd be interesting to have a you know, a dialogue with people that have listened to this that follow you um, and have a conversation. I'd love to do, uh, I mean, anything I can do to 
Well, I think that'll be fantastic. Actually, we'll we'll, we'll do a um, a Q and A, Doug, a live Q and A. This is based on this is on a podcast, mm-hmm. and what we'll do is we'll release this first, and then let's organise for a Q and A. I hope everyone's listening to this. We'll we want as many people on that Q and A as possible. It'll be a live Q and A. It'll be on both um, Zoom in uh, the Facebook group as well as on the podcast. We'll organise time because again, I, I mm-hmm. think this is absolutely pertinent, and it really fits in so well with all the discussions that we've been having around the health the head the heart um framework self-leadership framework because it all start again it all starts with our great health which includes the well-being of not just our physical health but our mental health yeah and that's where it all starts but doug i really want to say thank you so much is there any other area that i should be directing we'll have all the details in the podcast like um content page but is there any other area that you want me to direct um our listeners to no, it, it, if you if you go to my website, um, the only difference is um, if you go to my website, uh, we ask you if you want to give us your email address, and then I deliver a digital workbook to go with the book, yes. and then we just redirect you to Amazon if that's where you want to order from. Um, so that's the benefit of going through my website, but you could just go to Am- Amazon or your favorite online retailer. Um, books are starting to to carry it, but to get it on online is the fastest way to get it, so that's where I would go. Yeah. Well, we'll share all those details um, on the podcast review as well and in the email that we send out as well. But, Doug, I just want to take this time out to say thank you so much. That was absolutely superb. If there's one book that anyone has to read this year, it's just this book. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. Now, watch. uh, stay tuned for the next episode. We will have Doug Dane on again shortly and we will be doing the Q&A so do follow us on either you can go to Spotify or you can follow us on Instagram it's dream underscore com it's d-r-e-e-m or you can go to dream.com.au d-r-e-e-m thank you again Doug and we'll be talking soon thank you 